Welcome to Lit Up, Big Ideas in Cannabis Technology and Innovation, a show about technology pioneers of the cannabis industry, the platforms they are building, and the entrepreneurs they are enabling. Technology plays a big role in running a dispensary. Inventory management, compliance reporting, and the actual selling, amongst others, all rely on the technology the owners choose. Making the right decision can have a big impact on the success of the dispensary. Those decisions can be very daunting, especially for those who are not techies. I'm your host, Brian Weber. On this episode, we're welcoming Matthew Kutch, CEO of Woflow Dispensary in Trenton, New Jersey. Matthew discusses his background growing up in a family business, starting his first business, to his eventual decision to start a cannabis dispensary in New Jersey's capital. Matt lays out his thought process for reviewing IT companies, hiring consultants, and making those big decisions in the first part of a series of interviews with Matt. Thanks for coming, Matt. Thank you for having me. So thanks for joining us here in Eatontown in our studio, making the drive. Uh, it's always nice to have somebody in person versus on Skype or the phone. Some current event news. Monday was supposed to be a big day for New Jersey. Yeah, that. I mean, I, honestly, we were preparing for that for a while, mm-hmm. and it's better than it getting voted and you know getting shut down. So to us, a no vote waiting a couple months because we're hoping that in the May June time it's going to come back around. Yep. Even though people are saying that there might be four or five votes missing, we're thinking it's a little less than that. Okay. And I think the unfortunate controversy right now is that the medical expansion was tied in. Yes. And I saw some articles yesterday that, oh, if we do it in May, then we might, um, you know, we might, they're going to postpone pushing the medical for a little bit. That's what they say. And okay. to me, the news is kind of the speculation of the day. Who heard what in the state house or thought they heard what in the state house? Yeah, exactly. They, they, yeah. You know, told their friend, and that's what ends up on you know NJ.com or one of the, not them specifically, but yeah, all, yeah. all the others. Uh, so I try to just take it, what has been happening and kind of go for the middle. And it's you know it was funny. I was trying to um, tell my girlfriend about like the you know guess you and the guests we're going to have on, and she's like like the analogy that I'm trying to think of. It's like what you do is trying to almost like landing a plane on an aircraft carrier. The plane is moving, the boat is, you know, the aircraft carrier is moving. There are maybe people shooting at you. There might be snowing and hailing and raining and it's wind. And it's just like this constantly moving target of everything that's moving. And you don't have control over a lot of it. Most of it. We had one of our, I'd say a large deal we were locking down a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The day we were locking it down, we had to completely redo everything and change course, which was just like you said, you know, things change, you have to adapt, but unfortunately it happens at the last moment on the big deals. On the, on the big deals too. So, but yeah, you've learned, you've learned a lot throughout this whole process and, and you guys are still like, just to let let you guys know where your audience know where you are, you guys are still in the application process for like right before that pre-application process. Yeah. We're pretty much ready to go at this point. We're just, you know, finalizing the last little details and waiting, waiting for it to actually come out. Gotcha. The RFA to come out. The RFA. So you, the Application is ready to go. Any, you'll re, you'll, once the RFA comes out, you'll review any changes that are needed from what you have already, mm-hmm. and everyone everyone get in line. Yeah, most of the, most likely it'll just be taking away. We overplanned for okay. most of our things, you know, purposely for that. That's a that's that's great. Yeah, because that way you can delete, 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 and hit submit and all those other fun things. Okay, yeah. interesting. So it's sad news, but it also gives us more time to prepare and plan and um, and be ready for, for when that does when that day does happen. So um, to step back a little bit, before we get into Wellflow, like, you know, 
you know, we got we have a we have some we have some time today, but everything before you coming in the door today, tell me about your life before Woflow, before this. Like, what brought you to this industry? So, I guess to even what got me into the industry, I grew up in the city. My parents and grandparents had a funeral home in Trenton. Okay. So from a young age, I was always involved in business and kind of, you know, working around, listening to my, you know, dad and my grandfather and even my mom from she was involved in the financial and uh, uh, healthcare industry. So I listened to her and kind of go from what from a young age, what what you should do and how to structure businesses and how to run businesses. And also, I guess you could say my threshold for hard work is much higher than others because of I was, you know, were you working in the funeral home? At about six or seven years old, I okay. mean, I was working as early as I could, even opening up the door. And probably by about 18, at that point, I was able to, you know, I didn't want to go into the funeral industry. Okay. But just being able to help my dad and the organization and the operation of everything, that kind of led me into be able to open up my own business. So what I did is I opened up a car detailing business because I had a lot of knowledge in car detailing. Mm-hmm. But what I did is I took You made that the- Hearst look just exceptional right well, that was the best thing yeah. i had all these connections with all the funeral homes every single funeral home has multiple cars yeah i had immediately a ton of clients yeah, right there i was you know so it, it it definitely was lucrative at the time and it helped me understand what a business took and then at that point i realized okay i want to learn more i went back to school uh to saint john's for finance in the city moved up to the city lived there for a few years and learned you know from the financial side and kind of deciding what I wanted to do. I got into and uh, mortgages and became a mortgage banker because I, you know, liked finance, mm-hmm. loved real estate on the side and it kind of it evolved got from me, there. You know, I saw that hard work could really give you a good life. So When was that t- what was that time frame? That was probably a well, actually that was recently. This okay. was fast forward. So this wasn't this wasn't like during no, no, no. the the mortgage cri- the economic crisis oh, no, no, no. And everything else. Right okay. after. Oh, it was right afterwards. Interesting. So you went in it was people were fleeing this from rats on a ship. You were like I see an opportunity. Yeah, and it was a lot of the people that were in it for the years they stuck it out a lot of the new people are the ones that left it and there was a huge opportunity to if you were with the right person learn mm-hmm. a lot. Cuz people still only mortgages. Yeah. I mean the you learn a lot too, not just about mortgages, but also you almost become a financial advisor, mm-hmm. uh, um, credit advisor. You learn mm-hmm. all these things, and you can really help people from a different avenue. So that kind of got me into business and finance, and thinking how can I structure and kind of, I guess, work be an entrepreneur. Well, that was, I mean, for me, I mean, my my father owned a number of small businesses growing up, and I found that a lot with a lot of the entrepreneur friends I have or people I meet. I have found that. Just the general understanding of knowing how businesses operate, no matter what you go in, is just such a great primer for anybody going into any kind of business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you ever read the E-Myth, all too often people, like, know what their task is, what their trade is, what their profession is, but they don't know the logistics of actually executing a business to be able to do that. Um, That was one book that always – that transform my um, looking at the world of, of, of different uh, of business. Yeah. Uh, and I could see where that, even if it's something kind of unrelated, you're still running and hopefully a profitable business that you want to have ongoing. So that's that's exceptional experience that you had there. Yeah. It helps growing up. It did. In, literally, were you living like typical funeral homes, like live above and then it's 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 down below? So my grandparents lived above. Okay. So I would stay with them sometimes, but yeah. we lived on the opposite side of town. We gotcha. lived in Trenton, but we lived on the opposite okay. side of town. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. It's like if you're Everyone was ever seen like six feet under. It's like yeah. they just—it's just the way that they did it because you need to be on call, like to get a delivery at 
all, 24 all, hours a day. Yep, all, all the time. It's a different life. <laughs> I mean, we got used to, uh, you know, some people might not understand this, but I could hang out in the morgue while, you know, my dad could be embalming someone and yeah. it not bother me at all. You, you know, it's not a big deal. You, it's you, just you having get, a conversation. You with do them. get used to it. Um, for a number of years running an IT services business, I actually still have a client that is a funeral home. And it's just like, I'm used to going there now um, or back in the day. But at first it was it was kind of a weird place to go into. But yeah, yeah now it's like no, be, no big deal. No, it's, it's part of life, but it, people don't see it. Yeah. And you know what? It's hard, but the way we would look at it from the industry, not in the industry, but from my perspective, is that the a dead person is almost like a picture so that, you know, people can mourn over the body and they're upset, but that person is not there. You know, that's almost becoming a picture of, you know, and uh, the person that you knew is long gone or their soul or, you know, whatever you believe mm-hmm. in is is gone from that body at that point. So. It's if you look at it from that point of view, it's less of a mourning. It's more like a celebration. But you know, it's it's obviously teaches you have to look at it. It, it definitely it. it definitely does. And you're your guide through that process for for a lot of people as well because everyone yeah. comes in with their own emotional baggage. Definitely. to this as well. But uh, I, yeah, so backing up, how yeah. I got into to the cannabis industry yeah, yeah. is in about 2012, one of our um, founders and one of my best friends, his uncle owns Papa and Barkley, which is a cannabis wellness line in California. Mm-hmm. One of the largest, won a ton of awards. They're you know doing great over there, trying to get into the international market as well. Uh, they just launched a CBD line throughout the US too. That's really good. But he kind of has always led us and pushed us to what cannabis industry could be in new jersey back Mm -hmm. in 2012 we could definitely not get in it was not feasible but we uh, we saw what was going on out there Mm -hmm. we saw what his business you know what was he doing and we learned and as soon as we saw that okay or you know the possibility of new jersey you know getting in actually getting a license when we saw that that was going to happen that's when i started figuring out okay what does the license take you can pretty much see what the license was going to be and what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. How can you assemble the best possible people in those different aspects and just put them on a team? Building your team together, building your team together. Were you initially focused on we're going to we're going to maybe start out with medical expansion, or were you really looking for like adult use? We always wanted to do medical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We always wanted to go, and then the adult use route to us was just a. Uh, a benefit to be able to do more and help more people. The mm-hmm. only thing that would change for us if we were a medical dispensary moving to adult use is mm-hmm. the amount of people and the type of person that can come in. Yep. The products, everything is not going to change. You're still going to have teach and preach the same things. Uh, it's just more people can enjoy it. Yep. So what was that moment for you? Like every entrepreneur has this that you're like, there's that spark moment of like, I am going to do this. Not It changes from... This is a good idea. I should do this. I want to do this. When was that moment for for you that it was like, I am going to do this? Where were you? Were you sitting on a plane? Some people are in like out for a walk with their dog or like what was that moment that you're like, aha, yes. I think it was actually probably a month or two months into it that we decided – as a you know a group between uh, the friends you know I reached out to one of my friends and then another one you know we were talking to him and he joined in and another one joined in mm-hmm. so at that point it was real but I think once we saw what you had to do and then I realized that we could actually do it and we had connections that just people we didn't feel other people had you mm-hmm. know just from lifelong connections of being in the area we felt like we had a better chance and that we do have a better chance and that was the aha moment. Like, we need to really go at this because even though people are saying and 
that they can do this and they can do that. A lot of them aren't doing it. Yep. We actually can do it and still get the same exact, um, um, I guess you could say, board and you know amount of people in power involved and partners involved than anybody else would. So That's at that amazing. point, that was the. So you were just moment. like, yes, we're in. Let's all get together. Was there like a night at a bar discussing all this stuff? Was it someone's living room? We would go up to my friend that I used to live with in the city. He lives on uh, in the. Um, uh, up in the – where is it? 188th Street. So, okay. Uh, so up in Upper Manhattan. And we were sitting around and we just every single Sunday would come together in his living room and just work on the business plan You're and what we thought should be a business plan. And yep. then it finally evolved into something real and went from there. That's fantastic. So that, I, I love that spark moment. So what, what – give us a time frame for that. So we're, we're sitting now in uh, spring 2019. Yeah. When was that? When was that When was that time for you? Uh, creeping up on two years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So not super long ago, but like it's I'm sure you these these two years have felt like like four. Yeah. I mean a, a week is uh, a month at this point. Yep, definitely. Um okay, cool. Well, um I love that background on this. So like take us to today. So Woflow. Mm-hmm. Um what is the mission of 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 of, of Woflow? So our mission, I guess our vision kind of combining is really looking at the community and three main aspects the medical, the social justice, and the economic side of Mm -hmm. medical marijuana. And we want to be able to bring that into the community in the best possible way. Into Trenton specifically. Into Trenton specifically, because that's home to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have always wanted to help Trenton as much as possible. This is just... Trenton needs a lot of help, doesn't it? It it does. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's... All joking joking aside. No, yeah. And various reasons it hasn't got the spark and kick that it's needed, but... We know and just looking at the math, the numbers, you know, this industry has the amount of money that can, if done right, mm-hmm. it can bring change to not just to try and to many communities. And it is bringing change to other communities, building new city halls, new uh, new streets, new, you know, stuff for police. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's important. We know that in Trenton. It's going to help. So that's where we are right now. Excellent. 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 I love that. Um, so we t- discussed this before. You guys are currently um, pre-application, ready mm-hmm. to go as soon as those open up again. Um, and were you always looking – I know we talked about this prior. Um, in New Jersey, there's two different kinds of, of license. Either you're going to go and be a single operator in a dispensary, a grow, a production, or you're going to be vertically integrated. Were you guys always looking to be uh, just a, a dispensary and just focus on that end of the market? So our choice to be a dispensary was mostly because of uh, strategy and statistics and knowing what could we possibly win. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning, we didn't really want to partner with a large group. We wanted to do as much on our own as possible. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you can't be a vertical and win a vertical license or have the good chances to be able to win a vertical license if you're not linked up with a very large player. We didn't want to do that in the beginning. We wanted to get in the, I guess you could say, the easiest route so that we could you know, get in the door and make our mark at that point. Mm-hmm. Our idea was that a dispensary was the easiest application for us to be able to fill even a, a thousand points if it was, not that it's going to be that. Yep. Uh, so our focus was that you win that license, you get in. Now we can really go at it, and we never really actually looked at cultivation mm-hmm. or want to go into cultivation. We're more looking at processing, dispensing, making the products for the people. That's really where we would love to go long term. Okay, excellent. Um, so the, the topic of today's show, just to kind of refresh everybody where we're at, and and this is probably going to be two shows for us. Um, but the topic of today's show, the problem is getting inside 
the mind of a dispensary owner when you're going through and building out your application and going through building that team, but also really understanding you're going to be making a lot of technology choices uh, as you build this out. I mean, a lot of the business, a lot of things that you need run on technology. So the topic of today is, is really unboxing uh either the story, the narrative that you went through and some of the, the, the mindset that you had while going through these decisions and who you reached out to to help with. So, um, but always to start with this, and even from a personal level, you could speak of this, what is your level of um, of comfort with, with technology? And, and I know a lot of people go back to their personal life of like, um, you know, like I got the songs on my iPod, but I don't know how they got there. And they haven't been updated since the thing came out to like, I have a home automation system. I got a media server at home. So even if it makes you more comfortable to speak from a, a personal standpoint from that, you know, that's, that's totally fine. So any of the technology in my life has not been put together by me at all. Okay. So I, have, I you know, I could work it once I'm told and yeah. with my phone, you know, at my email and all the things that are linked up. I did not set that up. Someone <laughs> else did that for me. And so I don't have much of a, I guess, uh, as much of a knowledge as other people. Gotcha. Okay. Um, did anybody on your team have that knowledge? Was that part of your your, your team building process? So a couple of uh, the members of our team are um, fluent, I guess, in you know the the newer technologies and the basics of it. Mm-hmm. And we always knew that we were taking advice from the experts. Okay. We have had since the beginning consultants and different degrees, you know, that were, that we felt were experts kind of telling us what is the best and why it's the best. And we tell them, you know, what we want. So yep. it kind of has been a trickle down, you know, I'll start from the top, then it'll go to the couple of people that understand it a little more. And then, you know, I can, it can go into my language. It was really simple. And then yeah. I can say, oh, okay. That, that has how I go. So like, when did you start thinking about technology for, for Woflow? Like when, you know, you guys are building through the business plan. When did it be like, oh, we might need a technology solution? Like, we got to start thinking about tech for this because a lot of the things that you need, even from a regulatory point of view, transactional point of view, supply chain point of view, a lot of that runs on tech. So when was what was the first spark of like, oh, this is the first thing that we really, we got to really start thinking about this? So I always knew that we had to have a POS and we always knew we wanted a POS that maybe was a little different, a little sexier than others. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the uh, legislation in New Jersey was really uh, crippling that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, they really were, you can only have certain things. So that kind of shot us down. But then we had, it really was the idea of the layout of the store. Okay. When we decided on the layout of not just the store and um, the whole dispensary and building as as a whole, that's when we started looking into technology more because we thought how could it, um, make the experience better, make it easier for people. Just being impatient myself, not to criticize any of the other dispensaries out mm-hmm. there, but there are certain things that I get frustrated with, and I certainly don't want that to happen uh, in well, our dispensary. Such, such as? So the big one is honestly uh, the, the new thing. I'll just talk about it because it just happened over the past couple of weeks is online ordering. Mm-hmm. The online ordering is a great idea that a lot of people should be able to pull off. I mean – We've talked to enough solutions that I feel like it. You know, there's enough companies that can pull it off successfully. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's a difficult thing, so I'm not going <laughs> to criticize them because again, I don't know it. You know, as much. But uh, there's been a lot of problems with that. A lot of hiccups. It only working at certain times. You know, the the buttons uh, not 
actually working when you click them or just little oh, like stuff. On, like, like on the app or on like the on app. the website, like right, it's just physically not working. Not working. Okay. So that is pretty frustrating when, you know, we're limited in product in New Jersey. A mm-hmm. patient is really looking to be able to uh, either know that they're going to be able to get a certain medicine or hold it so they can know that they're going to be able to come and get it. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's not possible in New Jersey as much with the really high quality product. It's sold out very quickly and the people that are there the quickest get it. And, and you don't want to be sitting on inventory that someone's not coming for either or that hasn't right. been paid for. So right. you're just like, we need to manage our, our, invent, our inventory churn here. Yeah. That's, okay. That's, that's one. one. Big one. Uh, the other, I would say, is honestly just the uh, – lack of amenities. I mean, we're really just starting to get websites that are halfway decent. We're really just starting to get menus, daily menus, interaction in the websites where a person like myself can see simply, okay, the hybrid vape cartridges, what do you have today? And when are the next ones coming out? You know, something simple. Super simple. Can't really find that all the time. Or they're just starting to get into that. Interesting. Interesting. Also the apps. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, people at the same time, I know that they didn't have a need for all these things. Uh, so, again, I can't criticize them because they had a monopoly over the market. There was no need for them. People just went in, and that's the way it is. But now when you're looking at what the majority of people want, they want it to be easier. They want it to be quick. They want it to be streamlined. And that was kind of my decision-making in a lot of things, or not just mine, but all of ours. Yeah. Uh, how could we get, again, what we wanted to achieve and all these pieces to be able to do it for us because we didn't know – we're not the experts. Yep. So how do all these technology pieces play together? The POS, uh, also the integration with the POS. Yes. That's a really big one for me. Uh, peace of mind knowing that all these things can talk to each other and there's not going to be hiccups and you're going to have technicians coming out every week and not figuring out things. And uh, total sidetrack industry, but I have a friend that's in, uh, that is a manager at a supermarket and he could not use a whole day his debit cards, credit cards, or the you know, supermarket cards that, you know, oh. loyalty cards for a whole day. Yeah. I can't imagine that cannabis that's industry That's $100,000 for, you know, a, a, a busy store easily. Right. Or more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, a day. Easily. So yeah. that's kind of when we were looking at technology. Is it going to be safe proof? Is it going to be foolproof for me? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be easy for the employees to understand and be able to – and for the patients, no matter what your age is? So you were looking at all the share, the stakeholders in this. Is it easy for our customers to use? Is it easy for our employees to learn and use and not make errors with? And it's also – as a management, does it give us the information that we need to be able to even operate the business, not even maybe optimize the business? Mm-hmm. Uh, and those can be two to, two very different answers. Like we can functionally run the business with this, but we're far from optimal. Um, the, I've worked in, in in the POS space for for retail and in, in some hospitality for probably about five or six years now. And I do see some of the more advanced retail systems having interoperability uh, and it's pushing downstream now to be able to pull from suppliers to know when those purchase orders are going to be expected and received. The cannabis industry from from seed to sale uh, does implement a lot more technology mm-hmm. as part of that. And especially as, as as a dispensary where your supply chain is outside of um, your, own in opera, your own operation. Um, Maybe to, did that start your process as far as like we need to be able to tie into our suppliers to be able to get this? And I know not all tech is made in a vacuum, but like where did you start? What was like the first thing that was like we need to solve for this first and then everything else can maybe fall in line behind it? I guess it's probably a better way to ask that question. It was the POS system. Okay. Uh, because with the POS system and doing the research of – 
companies that were uh, possibilities, uh, again, to go do what we wanted to do for it to maybe down the future. And in New Jersey, you can't do this. But in California, how you can have iPod style, iPad styles and have people walking around and being able to check out right there uh, rather than actually going to the, you know, the stationary uh, station, kind of looking to the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, what could we do? Can we easily change things as legislation changes? That is written in New Jersey statute that it needs to be a uh, like on a on a shelf somewhere in the corner or at a cash wrap somewhere. It, it's just a touchy area. Okay. You know, I don't know the exact wording of it. Okay. I know that I. <laughs> I, I find that to get very minutia driven. Like it needs to be in the corner. Like yeah. or it needs to be at the entrance within fifteen linear feet. What I've <laughs> and I try to go on the safe side and not yeah. test the limits. And what I've been told is mm-hmm. just that for right now we would have to have the stations. Okay. Uh, but be able to, to plan or maybe even everything other than physically checking out. Gotcha. Could you do everything else, you know, walking around on these iPods, but basically for the or iPads, but mm-hmm. for the POS system, can it integrate that? Mm-hmm. Also from the online ordering, because mm-hmm. that was a big thing for, for me that it just hasn't been going on well. Can that easily be incorporated? Or part of it. Part of it. Yeah. Uh, and then the um, data, data piece to it, you know, for the uh, – Getting information out to customers through SMS messaging and all those pieces of collecting the right data from the customers and their buying habits and the online store. How could everything be customized to that one person? Mm -hmm. And again, at the same time, talk together and all be able to work together. So that was really where we started looking what POS could do all of that. Okay. Okay. Was it necessary that they all were in-house or at least they had – at least they had – if it wasn't built in under one solution, at least they had to have very firm integrations with other ones. They had to have a firm integration and be a gotcha. partner for a long time, not that they didn't know like each we other. Just, I met about a networking event last yeah, week and yeah. we're going to do a thing now. So, yeah, which which happens. I mean I've, as much research I've done in this space, there's been a lot of vaporware mm-hmm. of like, yeah, yeah, we got this thing and like you, it's easy to sell it. But then you got to follow up and actually show that it works. So – Okay, so that's where you started from. Um, was this – forgive my ignorance in this area. Was this part of your application process of, of making these, uh, these, these decisions as, built into the application that you're going to be having this solution with this system with this credibility? Uh, well, in, in New Jersey, I would say the, the POS and the compliance side of it you know, that's important. So mm-hmm. knowing that also the POS system can uh, be as up-to-date with the compliance and really make sure that that is following all rules necessary. So that part of the application, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to get more points in the compliance side from saying that this it does more things. But you can tie that into uh, education, mm-hmm. to the customer experience, to setting yourself apart. So maybe if you put it on that side rather than uh, the, you know, I'm sure the regular. I'm sure people who are approving these applications would love to see this. At this system helps with our compliance. Yeah, yeah. And, and making sure that we're we're, we're adhering to to state, city, um, and if there's a county uh, section of this as well. So, um, so okay. So you got to start with the POS. Mm-hmm. It's super important. You know, you've looked at your um, the different stakeholders that are going to be using the system. How do you start researching this as somebody who's not super technical. Like where where does that begin? Like Google or the yeah. demos. Okay. I, I pretty much knew there was about three or four companies we were gonna look at okay. in general. How did you from, get how did you get those names? So that was honestly from all the consultants and the people in the industry we had been working with that okay. 
had uh, companies and relationships with people that just had track records, okay. really good track records. There's a lot of new companies coming out right now. If you go to the expos, yep. I mean, it's just endless amounts of everything. Mm -hmm. So it was important for us to have a company that had a good track record and has been doing it. Okay. Uh, so that's where we got the, I guess you could say the three or four main ones. Also just Google. Yep. I mean, if you Google and you could kind of get an easy consensus, consensus on uh, cannabis POS systems, what's the top ones? Were there any specific, just for our readers, were there any specific publicly available resources, websites that you can remember off the top of your head or we can throw them in the show notes on later? that you were going or was this what, whatever was showing up on the first page of Google that and the expos, Okay, you know, just walking around, you can see who the normal people are and mm -hmm. you know, the people that are usually there and you can kind of gauge, you from, can get a good sniff test. Can't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it. It's about money, but the display, you can easily see how much display costs, how much money did they put into that? Okay. They probably have a bigger budget. Okay. That's kinda, fair. I hate to say it, but no. you do judge a little bit. Okay. Uh, and can they, you know, are they a big player? Can they support and have they been supporting what you, what you're doing? So that was where we got the short list. And also you can see them and meet them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple that we went up to, and you know maybe they didn't even say hi to us. So we definitely weren't going to move any forward wow. with that. But last time I go up to it, here's your you know not even a free pen or anything like nothing, nothing. Wow. So maybe they were busy. Maybe it is what it is. But yeah. I didn't tell them who we were that were a potential customer. But I just would appreciate a, a little a, a little respect. Yeah, you're you're at a trade show to meet people. Were there any specific trade shows that you went to for this? And I'm not saying this is going to be the most exhaustive lift ever, but like what were like some beneficial ones that so you went to the cannabis. World Expo. Okay. That is the, you know, a great one to be able to go to. It's, you know, it's close by. It's in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually going to be coming up soon. That was the first biggest one I could say we went to. Okay. Uh, legit, you know, legitimate one. We also, or I could, the best one, and a lot of people probably agree with this, is the MJ Biz Con in Vegas. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest of the year. You're really going to see the big players who, uh, from a global point of view, who are the players? And it's going it, to – you easily can look at the small one in CW, you know, the not that it's small, but the Cannabis World Expo mm -hmm. and the large one in Vegas and see, okay, who are the big players? Who's not really relevant? And you could go from there and judge. Yeah, it's, it's very it's, – it's, it's hugely to pay to play in those, in those conferences. Um, I know from some of the, the vendors that you know, I rep within the POS world – their expenditures for these things, it, it, it's mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. Like just to have a booth and have people there and have everyone out, like they could drop 250 on a on a, on a, on a, on a weekend show. Um, but you're going to get those leads. You're going to get those people in. Yeah. So uh, excellent. Okay, so you've done your research online, narrowed it down, met these people in person, narrowed it down further. So you got your list of three, mm -hmm. and you started calling up and just getting demos from these guys, either in person if you were at the show or following up that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you also had mentioned consultants. Were these people that you had hired? Were these people that you were potentially looking to hire? How did that process go of reaching out and finding and building trust and rapport and consultants in this world? So that's a very hard thing. Okay. That is a very hard thing to do. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there that are willing to take a lot of your money and not do much with it. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the biggest hurdle for us. But we always knew we have very strong West Coast cannabis industry connections, okay. but the East Coast is its own animal. Okay. So we always knew we needed a guide, you know, a mentor on the East Coast. We had been looking for a while in the beginning of who could even make the doors open that we needed to be opened more than us. Who could guide us and knows way more than us? And we found a great consultant uh, that actually got bought out by a national company. So it even 
helped out even more. Okay. You know, obviously to add to that credibility. Sure. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that was shortly after uh, we had signed with them. So we yes we had signed an agreement with them for it to be our I guess you could say our cannabis business consultant. Okay. He had extensive knowledge or has extensive knowledge in not only New Jersey's market mm-hmm. but elsewhere. So this was a person. Yeah. Not like a team of people. Oh, no, it's a group. Okay, okay. We just see uh, – and I can talk about them. No, I, I actually sure, – I sure, want to sure. go deep on this yeah. one because I, I run in – I mean, I go to networking events just as much as you. I run into people who are saying – and I paid a lot of money just to show up to uh, an event. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people there that are saying they're business consultants. But, like, what is that credibility? What exactly are they going to do? And I followed up with some people I talked to who have hired some of these people, and there have been mixed reviews. Like, I really want to get inside your brain. A lot of people are either prospective dispensary owners, people looking to get into this industry. How did, like, looking back now, providing that hindsight, like, for this episode, we might even not even touch on the tech, but choosing that, uh, those, those outside consultants, what were some of the lessons you learned? If you could go back in mm-hmm. time and in your DeLorean and tell yourself, hey, XYZ, what is, what are those, some of those items? So starting off, this is going to be the biggest risk ex- line item expense that any person is going to have going into an application. At a minimum, you're going to be spending six figures. Okay. A person that I'm sure you could get it for less. Maybe they aren't, you know, they're not a company that has been doing it as long, so they can't demand as high of a uh, return. But again, you're going to be spending over a hundred thousand dollars. You need to make sure that this person knows what they're talking about. So I Googled in the beginning, what is a cannabis consultant? Unfortunately, there's a million of them right yeah. now. And like I said, a lot of them don't know what they're talking about and can easily take your money and sound like they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I talked to a couple, talked to a couple that were over $300,000 to be the consultant. And this is just to write the application, help you through the process, uh, not being an owner, not operating, not anything. So they're not asking for any equity in, in, in some, some were. Some do. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was another thing. Some were asking for maybe 3.5%. Okay. Well, from a dispensary owner, 3.5% to me, I can do a lot with that. Yeah. You know, I could get a lot of money. I could get a lot of uh, power behind us using that equity. So 3.5% to give away is a large chunk. Uh, we had gone to an event called the New Jersey Cannabis Symposium, which, ha- it, being honest, it has a very it has a very hefty price tag to go. It's about four hundred dollars a ticket. That was in NJ Pack. Yes, not to get too local. No, no. Four, not to get too local on out of state listeners. But yeah, I, I actually I remember that day I had a conflict. But uh, but yeah, and I decided to go to that event. I hate to say it, but I looked at the agenda, saw some big power players, and I knew the ticket for that price is going to wean out the you know people that really aren't serious in the industry. Mm-hmm. You can get in, and if you want to get make connections and get stuff done, that was the time to do it. Yep. Went to that event. Meet. I met Brian Staffa from BSC Group. Yep. Met or him. formerly BSC Group, mm-hmm. and he you know immediately was kind of. We kind of vibed, you know. He understood what the f- flow we were going from. Not to, you know, no pun intended. Yeah, I got it. I got and, it. What we were trying to do. Fun all day long. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was working with him for a while. We did end up signing with him as a client to be able to, you know, guide us for the future. And then he uh, ended up being bought out by Merrimed. Oh, wow. Which is a, you know, like I said, a multi-state operator. Mm-hmm. Uh Consultant, I mean, all over. They do a lot. They're you know a billion dollar company, publicly traded. So it just it, it, that added to your the credibility yeah. of that of, of of that choice right there. Yeah, I've met Brian. Actually, he was one of the first people I met when I started like really seriously yeah, getting into this. So 
Um, that's that that's excellent. So so having somebody here local mm-hmm. was an important part for you. But there's that void here, and it you, you know our listeners might experience it in states that are not yet legal. There's a void of finding people who actually know what they're talking about in areas that it just hasn't been here. So there's that knowledge gap. Like I'm sure if you go to Colorado or in California, you're going to be able to find people that know this very well, but actually coming out here to New Jersey to know that environment. Was that a, I mean, I can imagine that was a a, a rather Mm -hmm. hard challenge and it probably narrowed your your choices down significantly. That and also who co-signed them. You know, I had reached out to a few people that I, I looked up to or thought were pretty, you know, pretty big players in New Jersey and asked them, what are your thoughts? How mm-hmm. do you feel? And we got, you know, good answers. Okay. Now, everybody's going to have a mixed opinion. There's always going to be people that don't like you for this and you're never going to make yeah. everybody happy. So, uh, of, you know, that's everybody. But at least getting an honest answer of right. like, here's a direct answer. I like this. I don't like this. But that's not a showstopper for me. Or, or if it is for you, you can make their own choice yeah. on that. So, okay. So Googling help, but really mm-hmm. getting out there, going to established Face-to-face. networking events in your area. And then... I guess establishing a peer group of who are players in your area uh, that you respect, and then asking knowledgeable um, questions about them was a was a good way to get was get down to that decision. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Curious on the whole equity side because some would argue if if these people are putting their payment in in lieu of your equity. They have a huge vested increase, uh, vested interest in in you guys being successful. Mm-hmm. Did you look at that at all as a, as an option on that one, or was this like because obviously pay me the money and it might be great or not? So what was your judgment as far as that? Like almost bringing on like a, a silent partner and they don't get paid unless we we make it. A lot of it went to what we could offer. Mm-hmm. You know, what could we offer? What do we need? We knew that we could, in our minds, and still can offer a lot. You know, okay. we can bring a lot to the table as a, not just a local group, but all the additional resources we can bring to help. Uh, so that was, I guess, the biggest piece. Okay. You know, do we need to give out equity? Mm-hmm. We, we didn't need to give out equity. Okay. You know, the we had tested the waters in the beginning. Yes, our first angel investors that believed in us before we even had an, an, a business plan. Mm-hmm. You know, we were able to get three, three or four investors before a business plan. That's that's those are those are good people to have. Yeah, so we got very lucky with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after that, we realized okay, we realized our potential. You know, when I guess. Uh, we talked a big game, but then we realized we were able to back it up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, we stopped being so, you know, asking for so much. So needy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we stopped taking people, on investors. People smell that. Yeah. People smell that. They knew. And when yeah. I can walk into a room with an investor and, you know, not beg, mm-hmm. say, look, this is what it is. If you're great, you know, if we can vibe and you agree, that's great. But if not, I'm you know, I'm not going to not sleep at night because I know there's other people out there. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the big piece into yeah. the equity. You have to know your worth. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you know your worth, then ride it out. So where there's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario. Like you got very, I would say, fortunate in a position mm-hmm. that before you guys had really a solidified business plan that you had people that were looking to invest real money mm-hmm. into this. Um, as that developed, and I would imagine a the majority of our people, I mean, there might be a lot of dumb money going after cannabis nowadays, but like getting smart money behind you, getting that, um, 
there's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario. Like, hey, we need to see a, a flushed out business plan of what you're going to be using. But to be able to get some of that advice, you do need some potential capital or some sweat equity uh, on your own. Mm -hmm. So what was – how did you kind of – I mean, you got lucky in your situation. But, like, did you experience any of that pull and, uh, pull and give and take um, with, with some of the other later on investors? Yeah. I would say later on it was um, – I think for investors that aren't in the industry, it's yeah. a it's a little more difficult for a person. You have to educate them a bit to to get them up to speed, right? You have to educate them on why things cost so much, why everything is the way it is. Mm -hmm. You look at a cannabis business income statement. You look at a regular business income statement. It doesn't look the same. Mm -hmm. We have to worry about different things. We're taxed differently. We have to worry about 280E. You know, yes. It's just different. We have a lot more expenses that a, on paper, a normal business owner would say, this doesn't make sense. I don't mm -hmm. understand why you're doing this. But in the end of the day, it's necessary. A lot of it is required by law and just to keep the place safe and customers, you know, happy and safe as well. Okay. Uh, so that's what it is. So that was really the the big piece on trying to be able to convince people that didn't understand. So getting back to the, the tech end of this stuff, did you make any technical decisions before bringing on the consultant? Or were there some good guesses of what we think we're going to be doing here? And you wrote it in like we're looking for a POS for inventory management and um, and, and those kind of items. Were you looking for those? as as Did you have anything in there, at least even placeholders, before they were firm decisions? So to be honest with you, our first thing we did was mm -hmm. get a lawyer and a consultant. Okay. That was those were those were one and two. Yeah, I mean, right in the beginning, maybe prior to the final business, you know, the main business plan even being route, we yeah. already had our, you know, retainer paid for our lawyer uh, to know to lock him down not only for a conflict of interest wise, but we yeah. knew no one else was going to be in the area. That was a whole nother piece. Yeah, that we, was could, we can equally we can have another show on that yeah. alone. I remember we talked a little bit about that uh, offline. But so that was the, you know, that was the biggest thing. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I want to get into more of the tech stuff, but we're, we're, we're coming up on our, our 40 minutes for this episode. So not to make the whole first episode of, of, a, you know, getting inside a dispensary owner's mind, just a teaser to this, but I think we might have to pause here and then next episode we can reconvene with getting into the point of sale, those decision processes and goes from there. Does that, sure. that sound good for you? Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for listening to the first part of many interviews with Matthew Kutch, CEO of Wolfo Dispensary. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lit Up, Big Ideas in Cannabis Technology and Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Weber. As always, see our show notes for links to everything we discussed today. If you received any value from today's show at all, any value at all, literally taking 15 seconds to one, share with your friends who would like this, and two, leave a review in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music, or wherever you get your podcast from. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guests to the show. It's really important. Thank you in advance. You can also reach us at feedback at litupcannabis.com. We're not just in your podcast app. Please follow and interact with us, our guests, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at LitUpCannaTech. We'll be announcing upcoming guests and follow up with our guests to your questions. Please say hi and share with your friends. It is my goal to be transparent with you on promotional consideration for the show. You're smart. You know these cost time and money to make. Promotional consideration will be made apparent along with any possible conflicts related to investment.